there welcome to mimble mimble harry potter podcast i am aishwarya and i am prashanthini this podcast will follow us as we reread harry potter and discuss it event to event for instance today's episode the first episode ever made of this podcast is about harry finding out his true identity so we we'll start right from the beginning of harry potter and the philosopher's stone and uh, go up to where hagrid says ah go boil your heads both of you said hagrid harry you're a I don't know why they're like not saying it. If it's been like twenty years since the book came out, I think the statute of spoilery has expired. <laughs> it's even more bizarre considering that this spoiler is on the back of the cover of Bloomsbury edition of Harry Potter. That is literally the first thing that I remember from the cover. It said Harry Potter was is a wizard. I don't remember seeing the word wizard, but I remembered seeing magic and strange things happen to this boy or something like that. That's why I was actually very excited when I read the book because at that point even I discovered that he's a wizard. I think it was really bad of Bloomsbury to have spoiled everybody, especially because J.K. Rowling goes to some effort to actually set it up so that uh, people don't immediately hear the M word or the W word. I remember from reading the first chapter that you you are at least like ten twelve pages into the book before the word magic shows up. <laughs> This chapter opens with this introduction of a family, the Dursley family. The major characteristic of this family that is that it's boring. Yeah. Is that what you got? Yeah, completely. They're trying so hard to like blend in and be normal. You know, I was actually kind of surprised by the description because the movies have formed a huge part of my memory with respect to the Dursleys. So when I read the book, read the chapter again now, and I saw that uh, Petunia is blonde, it was like really surprising because to me. Petunia is how she appears in the movies. She's, I mean, the actress who plays Petunia is so yeah. perfectly cast that it cannot imagine a blonde Petunia. She will always be dark-haired to me. I cannot believe I read this book so many times, and I this is how I am discovering this information. But I always remembered the long neck that she had because that, it was interesting the way J.K. Rowling describes her neck. Mrs. Dursley was thin and blonde and had nearly twice the usual amount of neck, which came in very useful. as she spent so much of her time craning over garden fences spying on the neighbors so we get introduced to this family and we see that vernon dursley the, the man of the family runs a drill company which is again boring a drill company that does not even call itself like elon musk's company does <laughs> you know what is called right it's called the boring company <laughs> <laughs> i would love to work there well vernon dursley's company is unfortunately called grunnings Well, we meet all the members of the Dursley family in this particular chapter. We meet Vernon, Petunia, and their son Dudley. But J.K. Rowling also goes on to describe members of the family that you don't immediately meet, like Petunia's sister Lily, who she hadn't seen in several years. Except they don't refer to Lily by her name; they just call her Mrs. Potter. Petunia pretends that she doesn't have a sister, which is like really sad. To be honest, I think most families do have that kind of relationship with one relative or the other. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not really strange it's not something i question because people just grow apart well, the first chapter is mainly about describing what the dursleys do on a day to day basis but it's also for one particular day which is out of the common for them where they see a lot of peculiar things happening but then they try to pretend it's not happening but what i really picked up from all of this when i was reading the book is vernon dursley and i connected on an unexpected level when he went out for a break which he claimed was for a walk mm-hmm. but he actually went to get a bun 
and he came back with a donut i feel him i really do i often felt that pressure in the middle of the day to like just break away if there was a donut nearby i would be there by it i did not really expect to connect with one and those things like i did when i was reading this again probably the one connection you can make because he doesn't approve of imagination that is so true i'm completely like my father in that aspect <laughs> it's a lot of characters that we see around us put together in one very unpleasant man i think a lot of jk rowling's pet peeves are characteristics like not being open minded being very suspicious of new things i found it like really funny that uh, when she describes how he works in his office he basically goes to work and then he picks up the phone yells at a few people yeah that's his de- that's her definition of work mm. so i'm fairly certain she's taking revenge on a few bosses then <laughs> and you know what like you connected to uh, one and dursley i connected to petunia because she loves gossip so much <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. I did not expect to connect with either of them, but mm-hmm. yes, on those fronts I was like, oh, these people, they might as well just be me. <laughs> And let's talk about the cat. Cat is amazing because she makes it anthropomorphic. She gives like human expressions to the cat. Vernon always feels like the cat is behaving like a human being to him. Like it's looking at him, seems to be like you know, reading a map. Yeah. And it seems to be wearing glasses. I don't think it's wearing glasses. Yeah, there's like paint markings Marks, are on yeah. the eyes yeah, that yeah. Vernon thinks it looks like glasses. That's an amazing cat. Every minute where she focused on this family, I was getting more and more excited about the wonderful things that are going to happen. I felt like the contrast was too big and it was really nice as a child to consume it. It is surprising that she would open a book about magic by describing people who are very decidedly unmagical. But of course, she immediately like almost immediately moves on to describing very very magical people. including a old man who has a beard that is long enough to tuck into his belt and hair that is long enough to tuck into his belt i want to know his hair care secrets <laughs> i think that would be very fascinating if you follow jk rowling on twitter you see her talk a lot about like her characters like as though they still live in present day in a separate world yeah. and she has some sort of like magical radio that tunes into what they're doing and she's describing it to us I would be very interested in the details of Dumbledore's hair care regimen you Or, should probably ask her You know, I think I will probably will not get a response, but I tried. <laughs> And very Gandalf-like. I don't know if it was deliberate to connect two people who have read Lord of the Rings. No, I think the trope of having an old man be like like a mentor slash informant is not just from the Lord of the Rings. We can see that in a lot of pop culture phenomenon, like Star Wars, for instance, has Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda, who are both old. To have like an old man fulfill that role is very common. I don't think it's a it's just a throwback to Lord of the Rings. What I meant was the beard. Oh, the beard thing. I think I also think some of the confusion might have come about, especially in your mind, because when the first Harry Potter movie came out, the first Lord of the Rings movie also came out, and suddenly we had Dumbledore and Gandalf played by two separate actors, but looking very similar. <laughs> right? There were lots of times where people would like get them confused because they're both like tall with like long beards. I completely this is, understand this the confusion. This is very strange. People confuse Elijah Wood and uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. I I have seen that tweet it is very funny. <laughs> I don't know about a tweet but generally no, that happens even when, I have gotten confused because they do have very similar facial features. But to be fair when Elijah Wood was in Lord of the Rings he was not well. <laughs> the tweet is that when Elijah Wood was in Japan or something like that a fan confused him with Daniel Radcliffe and he didn't want to upset the fan so he actually signed as Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> which I think is incredibly sweet of him. Yes. very peculiar man suddenly comes into this very boring neighborhood and he makes a beeline straight to the cat and, and he has peculiar things as well i cannot believe you forgot the putouter that 
is incredible that is what i want <laughs> i do not want to get out of bed and switch off the light i want to put out or so i can just like you know lie in bed pick it open out i'm done <laughs> is it described as a cigarette lighter or is it an actual cigarette lighter i don't know i think it, but it is described as a cigarette lighter yeah. because i was wondering if the wizarding world has cigarette probably they have, have other, ways of, other ways of poisoning themselves <laughs> not cigarettes from the movie i think i picked up that they have pipes yes they and, do have uh, pipes maybe cigars i don't know hmm. i'm not sure neither so he goes straight to mcgonagall and mcgonagall is the cat okay yes. missed it they discuss about uh, i actually don't remember this oh, can you tell me they, what they discussed they so they talk about a whole bunch of things that we're not meant to understand immediately they name drop like crazy they talk about like a hagrid they talk about you know who they talk about serious black they talk about dedalus diggle they talk about dedalus diggle and this they talk about this is a very nice ce- name they talk about celebrations mm. yeah dedalus diggle i think sets us up for like what you might find cute or annoying depending on who you are <laughs> jk rowling loves alliterative names but the most important plot point that comes up here is that the potters are dead Now, if you remember correctly, <laughs> Mrs. Potter is Mrs. Dursley's sister, which probably is why these two decidedly non-Dursley people are at the Dursley's doorstep. But I remember this one time when I was rereading this chapter that I com- that I burst into tears at Lily and James Potter are dead. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so attached to characters that are dead even before the events of the first chapter of the first book in the series, but I was. So basically, the Potters are dead, and there's a child. Clearly Some, something went down. Yes. But only the baby has survived. We're not sure how old the baby is. We know it's a boy. We know that it's a potter and we think his name is Harry. He is brought to the same boring neighborhood by a giant on a motorcycle. And then you know like the giant's like crying and I always now that I'm an adult, I always like I find myself to be like completely unimaginative. When I was a child, I did not ask questions like, "How did he bring the baby on the bike?" Now I'm thinking like, "Do you have a holder of some sort? Like, where did he put the baby?" I remember that he puts the baby inside his coat. His coat is basically an all-purpose thing, right? And it has a baby sling in there. Yeah. Later on, we find out that he has a kettle <laughs> and he has a couple of mugs. Yeah, I'm but sure just... he has. I mean, he pulls out an owl from his coat, right? Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair it enough. It can store anything. It's a magical coat. So yeah he brings the baby and it's like really cute and he's like asleep and uh, it's really cute yeah i mean yeah, i i'm being of the movie baby which is adorable and you know you think that most people would not just leave the baby on the doorstep like like it's some pixar movie <laughs> but it is a pixar movie right sorry that is a disney movie what which movie? meet the robinsons uh, baby on the doorstep anyway you think most people would like you know maybe knock on the door and hand the baby over saying this is your sister's or i don't know give it leave it inside the house i mean these people are magical people why would you leave it on the doorstep with a letter that's the only way that the dursleys would accept the baby if it was thrust upon them with yes. no opportunity for return yeah. yeah probably yeah then with that we move on to the events of chapter 2 the vanishing glass the vanishing glass few years have clearly passed and uh, harry yes 11 years 10 years i think 10 years harry and dudley have both grown up but from the way jk rowling describes the house sounds like even though 10 years have passed they're no closer to accepting harry as existing in their house than they were when you know it was chapter 1 and the baby was left on the doorstep there are pictures of dudley but nothing of harry and he lives in a cupboard under the stairs So in the second chapter Rowling paints a picture of the boy not Harry mm-hmm. but Dudley mm-hmm. he's a bully 
he is entitled i mean it's again every bad thing in a child put into one child honestly i see that in children all the time <laughs> like i cannot blame blame jk rowling for describing that that is just child like, hey there's you know? another child in the house who's not those things yeah i know but like most children end up being like bullies in their age. it's called terrible twos for a reason except now now i guess it's called terrible tits i'm sorry what is that terrible twos is like you know when your baby is going through going from oh my god that is so cute look at the way it's crawling to stop knocking everything down <laughs> she she doesn't need a lot of description to tell us that harry's mistreated i mean a cupboard under the stairs b dudley's four times harry's size and c isn't he cooking in the yeah, beginning of cooking. this chapter like he's mm-hmm. making that is amazing skills mm-hmm. in a way you can say that the dursleys are making themselves sufficient but like <laughs> not but on purpose not on purpose i cannot believe i'm saying this but i've read this at least once a year but only this time did i really notice how much of the mistreatment is borderline abuse but it's not abuse i think the dursleys know yeah. and they walk the very fine line between yes. actual outright abuse like hitting him or denying him food which they do deny him food but it's never like a, it's always like a punishment denying him food like you know you go to bed without dinner kind mm-hmm. of thing so they are, they know that anything that is visible will get them in trouble with the school so they always stick to like mistreating him when you know it's just not visible it's just enough so that no one can actually intervene and say hey you're not treating him well i also couldn't understand immediately why so much hatred towards harry maybe his parents were someone they didn't like but he came as a as a little baby they could have turned him into one of them right they could have turned him into another dudley we later on find out that they wanted to stamp magic out of him in the third chapter or something but they could have done it by being more welcoming Isn't it better to have him on your side even in case that he's magical yeah, rather than always, having him against you? That always did surprise me. Like why didn't they give him to Petunia's parents or we never find out about Petunia's yes. parents to be. Are they they probably not alive or give him up? Give him an it orphanage. feels like they feel that they have a right to stamp the magic out of him but at the same time they hate that he's around. They want to make sure that the world is all right by controlling him also hating him at the same time. It's very confusing. <laughs> We also get a great physical description of Harry in this book about his messy hair and how he like constantly get has to get haircuts like because Aunt Petunia can't stand the way his hair looks but it always keeps growing back magically. That sounds and, like the worst nightmare ever. Yeah, and he's also uh, skinny and he has knobbly knees. Yeah, part of this is probably because he's growing in under such stress and abuse. Mm-hmm. But part of it is because he's always being the target of uh, Dudley's bullying. Mm-hmm. and he's developed these skills that can that with which he can get away easily it's like a bird right what yeah so i'm assuming that part of it is like evolutionary or uh, just defense mechanism oh yeah probably i mean dudley's basically like a beach ball i don't think he'll run very fast anyway mm-hmm. again this chapter was really funny but also slightly cruel I don't know I'm very I'm oscillating between these two because even though Dudley is so bad and so cruel I don't know if JK Rowling can really use the words she uses to describe a child Exactly why Dudley wanted a racing bike was a mystery to Harry as Dudley was very fat and hated exercise I know yeah. poor Dudley I feel bad <laughs> for him I mean he's a victim of his circumstances just like Harry I mean if his parents had treated him better and disciplined him better he would be a likable individual yeah. but now he's just that boy you hate he's just <laughs> tormenting harry because they let him get away with that stuff and probably like if you abuse someone in front of another impressionable person they're going to think it's acceptable behavior but the main event of this chapter is is about dudley's birthday mm. he's turning i think 
and he received 37 presents for his birthday a that many people know dudley enough to give him presents and these presents oh my god it's a racing bike a cine camera a remote control airplane 16 new computer games a video recorder i mean <laughs> i don't want the gold wristwatch but i will take any of those other things again i'm 26 years old <laughs> nobody gives me this kind of stuff because it's dudley's 10th birthday it is always like an outing uh and usually harry is never taken along on the outing in line with the dudley's dudley's usual treatment of him but this time around mrs fig has broken her leg mm. mrs fig is the name of an old lady who lives next door <laughs> and she has four cats she apparently tripped over a cat and broke mm. her leg so harry is rejoicing at the fact that he doesn't have to like go stay with her so he thinks any alternative is better like yeah. you know if they leave him at home that's fine he can probably watch some tv but then they actually take him with them so yeah. it's like dudley pierce his friend and harry in the back seat of the car with vernon driving and petunia in the front seat of the car in spite of all this abuse even the little amounts of time that he can spend outside doing other things is giving him so much joy i yeah, mean i know looking Especially, back he's going to feel very bad about being happy more than the abuse i would say i don't think he's going to feel bad about being happy i think he's going to as he's going to feel sad about how things he was happy about like He's happy that Dudley didn't want to finish his knickerbocker clothes, mm. so, that Sunday thing, and you know, or that he got like an ice lolly. Mm. And I don't know. If he gave me an ice lolly now, also I'll be happy. You're just getting an ice lolly, but there like you're person, getting it just because the person next to you is eating something better, and his guardians don't want to seem like evil people in front of the ice cream lady. It seems like Harry is very resilient to whatever they're doing. He seems like a smart child, and he seems to be understanding what's going on. but he is he doesn't seem to be caring about those things a lot because it feels like deep down he knows that he's not one of them he's always going to go away he's always praying that he'll go away but i think he's accepted it as his normal like yeah this is how it is it sucks but what can i do there's no one else to take me away i don't think he's even thinking as if i go along with this one year one day i'll turn 18 and then i'll graduate and i'll be able to like go get a job and, <laughs> you know do something else in this if he hadn't found out that he's a wizard I think it would have been the start of a very sad year, but I don't know. <laughs> What I'm wondering about is where is he getting that resilience from? Is it how it is for children who go through these things? Probably, are they? Yeah. Are, are do they develop the strength, or are some of them stronger than the others? That's that's something I'm wondering about. They go to the zoo, and again, Dudley is being Dudley and bullying the animals along with his friend. and he tries to make a sleeping snake yeah it's a boa constrictor he tries to wake it up but he but it doesn't and so it's bored and he moves away this is the this is the one, the first moment we see where harry is emotionally connecting with someone right yes that's the only point we realize that he does have these emotions but he's not talking about it and it's it's sad because not only can he not talk to his guardians or dudley about this he doesn't even have any friends at school because of dudley Yeah, and uh, this was earlier set up in the book itself. In this particular chapter itself, where Harry talks about his dream, where there was a flying motorcycle and it ends in a flash of green, and uh, everybody like gets just gets like really grumpy when <laughs> they hear about it because it's more evidence that Harry is not normal. I mean, <laughs> I think if I spoke to my dad about a flying motorcycle dream, he would also get grumpy. <laughs> I mean, like, why can't you dream? Why can't you dream of sensible things? Probably getting married and having children. <laughs> That is the kind of dream my father would have walked. <laughs> Uh, I think grumpy is an understatement. I think he almost crashes the car. Bernard. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, he does. 
it's kind of like things are happening to him in this chapter until this particular moment and he sees this boa constrictor and suddenly looks like it's talking to him mm. like it, it he looks, starts talking to the snake fine sorry it <laughs> looks like it's understanding what he says because yeah. when he asks it questions it responds like where do you come from anyway harry asked the snake jabbed its tail at a little sign next to the glass harry peered at it boa constrictor brazil and uh, he thinks about how sad it must be to like be there it's basically set up even before that strange things happen around harry whenever he's in a very bad situation just to save him from it and the same kind of thing happens here where dudley tries to bully him i mean even though he's not consciously wishing for it Yeah. The glass vanishes, yeah. and everybody starts screaming because the snake's on the loose. The snake just like slithers away, and Harry thinks it says Brazil. Here I come, thanks, amigo. <laughs> and I think Harry would have really gotten away with it because Dudley doesn't say anything about how Harry was talking to the snake. It's actually his friend Pierce, the yeah. idiot, who says that Harry was looking to it. I think he was talking to it, which gets Harry into trouble. He's sentenced to the cupboard, and Uncle Vernon can is so angry he can only like wheeze out like cupboard no. <laughs> and then like accepts the drink that Brendan gives him, and that's it for Harry. He's being punished for something yet again. And by the time he comes out of the cupboard, it's summer. Think about living his li- living situation in the cupboard. It's such a dark place, and all his imagination, all his dreams, everything happens in that place. And even though it's it's like a symbol of torture for him, he has to grow attached to it because that's the only thing he has. And it's honestly a safe place. Nobody else is going to come into the cupboard. No, Vernon Dursley does come into the cupboard to talk to him, right? Yeah. Once but the... that is when the letters start arriving, which yeah. is one of my favorite parts about this whole book. When the letters start like popping up, like first it's just one letter, and Harry's mm-hmm. made to get the mail, and he's like, "Oh, look, there's a letter for me." And then everybody's like, "Wait, what?" He receives mail, and it's not even like a letter with like paper. It's parchment. It's mm-hmm. thick. It's heavy. There's green ink, which. I have only ever seen used by principals. Yeah, uh, school principals. School principals use green. And when they see that, immediately there's like a fight, sort mm-hmm. of, where Vernon like confiscates the letter. I think the thing to note here is that it's addressed to Mr. Harry Potter, and the address is the cupboard under the stairs. Mm-hmm. So it immediately reminds the Dursleys that somebody is watching to the extent where they know that Harry is in the cupboard under the stairs, and that's why Vernon visits him under the stairs to yeah. say, "Hey, you know what? We just realized, even though we moved in here ten years ago, <laughs> that we have a fourth bedroom where mm-hmm. Dudley just keeps his broken stuff. So why don't we just go live there?" He's But I really there. like that he stands up for himself. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he's not like, "Oh my God, those people are already tormenting me. I just like let it go and it'll be fine." He yells at uh, Vernon Dudley, saying, "It's my letter, and I want to see it." I was like, yeah, Harry. He he has a lot of sass and a lot of strength, and I really admire Harry already. I mean, he goes on to do great things, but to be in that situation and to and and to react that way, that really yes. takes a different kind of strength. Especially when Warren is like much much larger than him. Yeah, and he just got out of the cupboard also. <laughs> They make an obvious effort to be nice to him to the extent that Warren actually makes Dudley get the mail the next day. We kind of skipped over the fact that Dudley gets into a different school than yeah. Harry, uh, Dudley gets to go to Smeltings High where they have like a uniform, and my favorite part where he gets stick, <laughs> which the boys hit each other, which I think <laughs> is amazing. All high schools should have that. <laughs> and yeah. Harry is bound for Stonewall High, 
for which Aunt Petunia decides to like dye some of Dudley's old clothes so that it matches the uniform. And Harry thinks it looks like bits of elephant skin. And he tells her that uh, he didn't realize it has to be so wet. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, like you said, is the introduction of like sassy Harry. Like, yeah, that's such wit. Where did he get it from? Yeah, I know. I guess the little bits of TV he watches now and then is is helping him. I wonder what kind of TV Harry watched. Probably something the Dursley family watches, right? Maybe shows that Dudley likes some reality TV and news. BBC is there. There's a lot of BBC stuff. Is BBC. Do you One, think Harry BBC. watched Doctor Who? That's what I was just thinking. Like, how I think J.K. Rowling deliberately doesn't mention what they watch to keep it from being attached to a particular time in in human history. Like, if she had said Harry watched Doctor Who, then generations from now when they're reading and Doctor Who, God forbid, is not there, people would be like, "What is this Doctor Who?" But now, but by I not describing it, because of the time, I think it's more like she doesn't want to associate some good TV show with the Dursleys, or maybe she's not a fan of Doctor Who. Who knows? Trust me. <laughs> Dudley goes to get the letters and uh, realizes that hey, there are two of them. There's again like a little fight where Vernon wins. Then it starts getting like a little bit out of control afterwards. Vernon takes the day off and he nails nails in the mail slot so that nobody can insert any letters in there anymore. And there's this funny bit where Aunt Petunia tries to hand him fruit cake and he tries to use that as a hammer. Yeah, I think that's a great visual gag and it amazingly worked as a textual gag too. <laughs> <laughs> See, he explained to Aunt Petunia through a mouthful of nails, if they can't deliver them, they'll just give up. I'm not sure that'll work, Vernon. Oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me," said Uncle Vernon, trying to knock in a nail with a piece of fruit cake Aunt Petunia had just brought him. The Dursleys are quite unimaginative. They cannot put themselves in someone else's shoes and think, "Okay, so what will stop these mails from coming?" And then the next day, more letters come in. Even sometimes, even through like the small window in the bath bathroom. But it always surprises me. Why don't they just try to throw it into Harry's room? Like he has a window. I think maybe well, that's one of the first things Warner would have done, which would have been to like make sure that the window yeah. in Harry's room doesn't open. It just keeps increasing. I mean, first there's one, and then one, another one, and then there's three, twelve, and twenty-four. It starts coming in more and more bizarre ways. Like you know, it just gets out of control. The more that the Dursleys try to deny that there's a letter. The more bizarre it gets, and then my favorite scene of all time, Vernon's like sitting down and he's happy because it's Sunday and there's no <laughs> mail on Sunday, and then there's like letters pelting out of the fireplace, and yeah. it looks so amazing in the movie. Yes. It also made me really disappointed in Harry because there are so many letters <laughs> flying around, and you couldn't steal one. <laughs> so why are so many people trying to talk to Harry? Like Dudley asks, who's trying to talk to you so badly? That is the incident that sets off Vernon. He like tells everybody to pack a bag and get in the car, and they drive out to Railview Hotel. He assumes that because they had moved away, that the letters would cease, but there are a hundred letters at the front desk. And I remember there's this one scene where like Dudley turns around to his mom and says, "Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the book, he says it Dudley. But in the movie, he's like, Don't go in the way! Far away! Where they can't find us! Dolly's gone mad, hasn't he? I love the way he says it, and I love uh, Petunia's reaction to it. She's like completely confused. It's her sister's son, and she doesn't seem to be making any decisions. I find it really strange. 
I think she's just like given up and she's like just gives him like all the entire way like whatever he wants to do. She's mm. just so probably drawn into herself. Mm. So and probably ashamed in in their world where everything is perfect. This imperfection is something to be ashamed of. Her husband has accepted her in spite of her shame, and she's probably thankful to him and she let him go crazy. Makes me wonder how they even met. Like how did they find each other? They are so. evil and spiteful and so boring what did they do how did they date probably in the most boring manner <laughs> what we've also forgotten to note so far is all of these events happen in the week leading up to Harry's birthday mm. right and it's like the most miserable birthday he's ever had because the night before his birthday they're on an they're in a hut on a little island in the middle of the sea and there's like a storm yeah. and uh, he doesn't he gets the floor that yeah. he gets the couch he has like a little blanket but that's about it i think in the movie they even like crank up the tragedy part of it a little bit higher by having harry draw himself a birthday cake in the dust <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that they retreat from like a normal like suburban location to like this whole gothic setting like it's mm. hot and sea and the storm and the thunder crashing and yeah. they go from like completely normal stuff to like an anything can happen setting so that when when something does happen that there's a knock at the door at midnight like this it's very spooky <laughs> yes when the door just falls down and there's hagrid Person we have heard so much about and met in chapter one. He comes in and he takes that fallen door and puts it back in its place, and we know that okay, this giant is actually harmless. <laughs> he knows manners. <laughs> he was just trying to get in. <laughs> I don't know about harmless because he does a lot of stuff like he bends Vernon's gun into a knot mm. and he gives Dudley a big stale, which I thought <laughs> was very cruel. I mean. Poor Dudley. He's yeah. basically a product of his parents. He's still a child. Even even if Dudley had been like a teenager, maybe his actions can still be uh, condemned. But right now he's a child, and whatever he is is entirely his parents' fault. Yeah, and giving him a pig's tail is just really cruel. You could have given Vernon the pig's tail, not Dudley. Yeah, I agree. Though when I first read it, I found it really funny and. No, it's poetic justice that's immediately delivered. Also, this person who has suddenly stomped in for Harry's defense is like. Giving him the satisfaction that he has been denied all this time. It's it's mainly for Harry. Dudley is just eating the cake. Vernon is the one who who moved them. He is the one who is trying to start a fight with Hagrid. He is the one who insults Dumbledore. It does make sense that uh, hurting Dudley would be the best way to hurt Vernon. Still, that cake does sound very damn good. <laughs> Chocolate, like green icing on it. It's pretty amazing that Harry finally gets a proper present on yeah. his birthday. Yeah. the the letter you mean no i meant the cake <laughs> so there is some truth that hagrid is trying to tell harry but both the dursleys are very against it they told harry that his parents died in a car crash and harry, hagrid gets really outraged when he hears that and he decides to just uh, drop the bomb <laughs> except he doesn't is really peculiar manner he's like you don't know what you are honestly after twilight the only thing i can only answer i expect from that question is always vampire <laughs> And it's really cute when Hagrid is like, "You don't know anything," and Harry's like, "Well, I know some things." <laughs> and he hands Harry a letter, but you know, it's addressed to Mr. Harry Potter for Cut on the Rock. See, it is a nice thing that the first person that Harry is exposed to from the magical world is someone who who is capable of being affectionate towards him. Yeah. It's not someone who's awkward with people. I mean, he actually thought to bring Harry a birthday present, which mm. which says a lot about Hagrid himself. And it's not someone who's like the intellectual kind. It's not McGonagall who's probably going to overload Harry with information. He's such a warm person that's got to be immediately attractive to Harry. 
the connection happens on an emotional level rather than a materialistic or a how oh, things that matter. i can yeah exactly so more than any other reads this time i thought a lot about harry being abused like this and i was reading up about it and i was wondering like we were uh, talking at the beginning i was wondering why child services weren't called and you pointed out that they are doing things in such a way that from when you look at it from the outside he doesn't look like he's being abused so i was reading about i mean i was thinking about that and i was wondering why jk rolling chose to go this way right i mean she's personally very against institutionalization of children i think she probably wanted to bring it out in some way or it could be a very good way to set up harry for the future hardships that he's going to face if we had a pretty okay childhood like you or me he's going to be very weak and when he faces like real dangers in the future so that's probably it and there's probably a way to make him more attached to the magical world than the muggles i think it's a clear narrative decision to have harry not have any connections to the muggle world because then it becomes easier for jk rowling to just pretty much ignore the ramifications in the muggle world but if harry had had like connections like say he had a random relative or if he had a foster family that he cared for mm. then that's all that more time that jk rowling would have to spend describing what they are doing mm. and so that that just takes away the focus from harry mm. a lot of interesting things still to happen i would also like to note that so we're reading from different editions of the book i'm, I'm actually reading, not reading at all I'm listening to stephen rice audiobook version which is a fantastic way to start if you never read harry potter or if you're looking for a way to reread harry potter actually i think in this particular chapter the keeper of keys he has done a good performance i would say do you mean to tell me he growled at the dursleys that this boy this boy knows nothing about about anything so that particular delivery is very good i would say it's a bit slow because i mean your reading speed is completely different from uh, stephen fry's yeah and obviously stephen fry is not reading fast he's, he's doing a performance not, yeah so that's there but if you are starting i would say book mm-hmm. so i am reading the illustrated harry potter which bloomsbury is publishing they're working their way through the series the illustrator is a jim mckay who who has also worked on a monster calls and has done some concept work for Susanna Clarke's Jonathan Strange and Mr Norrell he is an amazing illustrator because he has taken familiar characters that you have seen in the movies yet have made them uniquely his own like he has taken Robbie Coltrane who was Hagrid in the movies but he has added his perception of Hagrid to his face so that it is both Robbie Coltrane and not Robbie Coltrane yeah. simultaneously which i think is amazing and i love the little details that he's added some like the chapter titles all have something to do with the chapter itself for instance the keeper of keys has a bunch of keys mm. in the title itself yeah i remember that actually it will it will be a great present if you're giving it to a kid that brings us to the end of today's episode in the next episode we'll talk about the events leading up to a wand choosing harry that's chapter 5 diagon alley Thank you for listening. If you like this, don't forget to rate us and subscribe to Mimble Mimble the Harry Potter podcast. So until next time, bye. Bye.